I've held impressive sounding titles, you know, editor in chief, chief content officer at impressive sounding companies, Condé Nast, Yahoo. I've worked for famous Hollywood people you know. I've written an acclaimed career guide that not only made my mother proud, but was also recommended by the New York Times. I've been on television with Anderson Cooper, and one time I even met Michelle Obama, who is as amazing as you might imagine. But still, I'm nervous as hell to be here today. I feel shaky and wobbly and a little bit unworthy and not at all confident that I should be on this stage. But let me let you in on a secret, and I've been thinking about this for a long time, sort of rolling it around and around in my head, and I've come to the conclusion that confidence and everything we've been taught about confidence, all the Wonder Woman posing, all the fake it till we make it tropes, all the bossed up, boss bitch hashtags, all the confidence porn, it's all bullshit. Confidence is, has become a commercial industry. We're bombarded with it. Step into any bookstore and you will find dozens of books of how to boost your confidence, build your confidence, crack the confidence code as if it's hidden in a safe and we have to steal it. We want to make our confidence unstoppable, unbreakable, irresistible, powerful. As societies of ambitious, achievement-assessed individuals, we've overemphasized and fetishized confidence to a degree that it seems like a requirement for success and even personal survival, even though it's not. We've been told that confidence is a fixed state, that once you get it, once you crack open that safe and steal it away, that's when the self-esteem party starts. These messages are meant to be empowering and inspiring, but they can actually feel overwhelming and confusing. As we move further and further into a gig economy, as the traditional career ladder is thrown away more and more and full-time jobs are harder to find, as young people are forced to find piecemeal work, these messages of, you know, just put yourself out there and be confident and the world will come to you. <laughs> they can ring hollow because this is confidence as a pose or a posture, a false narrative we tell about ourselves on social media. In real life and for most of us, Confidence is fleeting and fragile. You can't count on it. One day you'll be strutting around a conference room all fired up to give a presentation. And the next you might find yourself hiding in the office kitchen, eating your feelings, paralyzed in a full panic. Success and hard driving confidence have been so inextricably linked in our collective consciousness that it's hard to imagine one without the other. But I know definitively that confidence is not a requirement for success. And I know this because last year I lost all of my confidence and I was forced to reckon with what happens when the cape gets ripped off. Last year, I was fired from my high profile, impressive sounding, fancy titled job. 
The way I was fired was dramatic and humiliating. It was the way you see firing on TV. Security guards, less than an hour to pack my things, computer seized, email shut down, the whole thing. No time to say goodbye to my beloved staff and no time to think. Instead, in less than 60 minutes, I handed in my badge, was frog marched out by security to my car. And I sat in my car, heavy with shock and shame, a lot of shame. So what is autism? We've probably heard a lot of very negative terminology about the condition, but how I like to explain it is a little bit different. I want you to imagine in the morning if you were picked up and transported into a completely different culture. You see, a lot of the time in society, we talk about people being normal and not normal. I don't believe in that because the reality is normal is very different for all of us. So everybody here who owns a premises or runs an organization has probably heard of accessibility, but we tend to think about wheelchair ramps and lifts. But autistic people face barriers in communication, in predictability, in sensory processing, and sadly in the judgments and attitude of other people every single day. The consequences of this, bullying, social isolation, mental health challenges, an unemployment rate of 85%, and a significantly shorter life expectancy. I'm not saying these to be grim, I'm telling you this thing because it's not inevitable. We as a society where we are experiencing a shortage of talent and a talent war can tap into these people who have a different way of thinking like me. So why is it so hard for autistic people to get a job? The recruitment process and the interview process works based on unwritten communication, based on the grey areas of our lives which are so hard for autistic people to understand. Workplaces themselves are often unclear hierarchical structures. The sensory environment can often be far from supportive. And indeed, at a time where workplaces are becoming more and more diverse, it still can often be a challenge for businesses to understand people with the invisible condition that is autism. So what can we do? We can autism-proof our recruitment process. We can change the culture of our workplaces to make it more understanding. We can support autistic people who want to tell their stories and make autism something to be celebrated in the workplace. The recruitment practices, what can we do to make them more autism friendly? Let's have a clearer job description. Let's remove the performance that is an interview and make it about seriously assessing what is the person able to do as opposed to what are they able to talk about. Let's make sure the interview is predictable and sensory friendly. Let's make sure that everybody in our organization, from managers to colleagues, have education about the condition and that the policies within our workplace recognize neurodiversity. We believe that autistic people have a lot to offer to your business and to our community. Hi, it's Anna D here. I'm founder and curator of InspireFest. Welcome to Real Humans. This year, we wanted to do something a little unexpected, so we set up a booth backstage at InspireFest. All we had in that booth was a microphone and a series of cards that could be turned over to reveal a question. After they gave their talk and left the main stage, our speakers went into the booth, chose questions at random, and they ended up sharing lots of interesting stories and ideas with us. We wanted to create something that would give you a better idea of the human side of our speakers rather than just the technology, science and innovations that they talk about on stage. So we really hope you enjoy the results.
It was something very new for us and a place that is not afraid to try new things is the Digital Hub, our supporters for the podcast series. The Digital Hub is in the Liberties in the heart of Dublin City in Ireland. It's a collaborative space and it's home to lots of technology and digital media companies. But it's more than just an office. You can visit thedigitalhub.com to find out more. Now let's run this experiment. So the cards are there with your questions on them, microphones running, and I'll leave you to it. Oh, I asked all three of these and then I picked them up. Okay, okay, okay. What I wish I'd known when I was first starting out is I wish that I'd known to slow down a little bit, that it didn't have to go so fast, that it was not a race to the death sprint that my career could take its time. I wish I'd known that everything was gonna work out because as I like to say that everything always works out unless you die, but this is taking me still a long time to figure out. My next question is, why do I do what I do? Why I do what I do is because it's the thing that I figured out after years of failing and messing up that I was best at. And it was the thing that I felt most passionately about. And most of all, it was the thing that what I do, editing and writing, was the thing I was most jealous of other people who got to do it. And so um, that's why I do what I do. And um, I kind of started out maybe not the best at it, but because I love it so much, I worked diligently to get better at it and become proficient, and now I am, and I find that to be very rewarding. Oh, this was the first one. Oh my gosh, I answered these in the wrong order. Um, my name is Jennifer Romolini. I'm um, an editor, writer, speaker, digital media strategist. I'm currently the editor-in-chief of a website called CannabisMD.com, and I've written a career guide called Weird in a World That's Not uh, career guide for misfits, fuck-ups, and failures. What am I not good at? I am not good at keeping a calendar, at doing most administrative tasks. Um, this is why I had to become senior and successful so that I could sort of sloth off some of that work because, man alive, I am terrible at it. Ooh, turning points in my life. Uh, turning point in my life uh, was last year I was fired from a big high profile job. It was a massive reset for me because I had to sort out and kind of start over and figure out if I liked what I was doing, if I wanted to keep doing it, if I wanted to do something else. And also I just felt like such a failure. Getting fired is, is such a traumatic event in our lives. Um, Ultimately, it wound up being a fantastic opportunity for me 
because I was able to recommit to my work. I was able to take a break and recommit to my work in a profound way and with a renewed passion for what I do instead of just sort of floating along and taking any job. This had to be very intentional because I sort of demolished everything and had to start over. I consider myself lucky, yes, but I know that that luck would have meant nothing if there wasn't if it wasn't backed up with competence, hard work, commitment, a community of people that I continue to invest in and grow and put myself out there for. I know that I've had to be courageous, and if I hadn't had that, the luck would have meant nothing. The biggest misconception people have about writing um, is that anyone can do it. I mean, anyone can do it, but they might not do it well. It's the truth. Oh, the last time I failed. Yes, getting fired. That was the last time I failed. It was a sort of catastrophe. Um, And it happened, you know, far into my career when I kind of knew better and and I felt like I was very established and in some ways untouchable and it was not true. It was a very humbling experience and I spent a long time thinking about why it happened and how, where I was accountable for it happening. And then I spent a long time after that thinking about and sorting out what my unique skills were and where I wanted to bring them next. One really great tip on anything. So it's not, you're allowed to be assertive and you're allowed to assert your point of view. But I have found that I was kind of a bucking animal in the beginning of my career. I would spot an injustice and I would be outraged about it. And I was very confrontational. I was always sort of confronting confronting, um, coworkers and bosses and this isn't right and this isn't right. And I wasn't thinking it out and thinking about the other person as much as I should have. And somebody said to me at one point, um, a little sugar goes a long way. And it sounds so trite, but I found that softening how I delivered information um, and leading with empathy and leading just with a little sweetness and kindness, the little sugar does really go a long way. So that was a great tip I got. Most people would not know about me that I one time tried out for the Rockettes. It was a disaster and I did not become a part of the dance troupe, but I one time tried out for the Rockettes in New York City. It's the last thing you really geeked out about. I tend to geek out quite a bit over SEO right now. And I tend to geek out about how to deliver information to audiences in the correct way. Content is such a cutthroat, rotten business right now. And really using all of the data you can and all the tools that are available to you to deliver that content so it's seen by the most people is something I geek out about quite a bit. My personal hero is Michelle Obama because she is amazing and everything I think every woman should be. All right. That's it for me. Bye. My name is Adam Harris. I'm the founder and CEO of As I Am, Ireland's national autism charity. I'm 24, I'm from County Wicklow, and I'm an autistic man. I do what I do because when I was five years old, I was diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome. 
Asperger's syndrome is a condition on the autism spectrum, and when I was diagnosed, very few people understood what it was. We've traveled quite a distance from there. When I was younger, nobody went to mainstream school. Now we have a situation that 86% of children on this spectrum do. But I suppose we've become very aware of something. That's really important. Most of us have heard the word or know somebody in our community. Or if not, we probably know who Anne Hegarty is and I'm a celebrity or Sheldon in the Big Bang Theory or maybe Christopher in a curious incident of the dog in the nighttime. Awareness is really important and it's a great start, but awareness is only a start. There's a big difference between awareness and understanding. One of the reasons I know this is, I'm aware that Mandarin is a language, but I don't understand it. So I'm not much used to anybody who only speaks that language. What I guess I try and do as a result is, I wanted to make Ireland an understanding country for autism. Our lack of understanding while at the same time integrating people with autism has led to a lot of barriers. We see a situation that many people are bullied in school. 85% experience bullying or experience unemployment after school. There's a very high rate of social isolation and mental health difficulty within our community because of a lack of inclusion. I wanted to change that. So I travel around Ireland, our organization as I am, and we support the autism community by building a capacity, by giving autistic people a voice, but most importantly, by giving everybody in society from teachers, the guardie, to business people and employers, the skills they need to make their services inclusive and autism friendly. What do you wish you'd known when you were starting out? Well, that's a, that's a tough question. I think there's a, a lot of things you wish you'd known. I think the thing that I wish I'd known the most was that it would be a success. I genuinely didn't think that it would. I was in first year in UCD and I dropped out of school, or I was dropped out of university to set up as I am. And I think at the time everyone thought I was mad and that it was just a phase. The money we had to build our first website came from my legs, my friends getting their legs waxed. So nobody really thought it was going to go anywhere. But now we're at a point where we've 12 staff, we have a range of programs, we're making a big impact on the ground. And I guess I had a lot of sleepless nights not thinking that that would ever happen and that I was just wasting my time. So I wish someone had told me to stick with it and that it really would have worked out. So now I get to pick any of these cards. Who is your personal hero and why? Well, I think as a member of the autism community, I have to cite Greta, Thun uh, Greta Thunberg at the moment because I think she's somebody who's really started an international conversation about climate change, who's brought it to a new level. And I think her, her single track mind and her intense focus has shown all the benefits of autism and why the world needs autistic people. What are you not good at? I'm incredibly bad at organizing myself and kind of, I suppose, managing my life. I'm the sort of person who's able to manage a budget, able to manage a project, um, able to deliver a lot of things. But in terms of getting my own life together or being in place on time or remembering things, that's something, and a part of autism, to be honest, that I still find very difficult and I need a lot of help with. Do you consider yourself lucky and why? I definitely consider myself lucky because I think one of the things is I've had a lot of opportunities to reach my personal potential. But I'm very conscious that, unfortunately, people want me to travel the country and tell my story as a result. And that's because presently not every autistic person is getting the supports they need to reach their personal potential. So I recognize that I'm extremely lucky and that's why I'm trying to give something back. What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? A teacher who told me that as you grow up, you have to accept that you have to do some things differently because until you make that acceptance, you won't actually be able to achieve anything. So that's been a big part of helping me come to terms with my own diagnosis and I think doing the advocacy work that I do. 
tell me about any turning points in your life. Definitely a big turning point for me was transition year. Um, I had a really stressful junior year. I found that a really challenging year personally. And transition year was the first time I got to know a, sm- a smaller group of people really well. I got to pursue projects that I was interested in, which is a really positive thing for autistic people. And as a result, I got to know a group of people in an environment that worked for me. And that's really where I started making friends for the first time. And I suppose that put me in a very happy place that challenged me as well to want to do the advocacy work I do. Because when you have a diagnosis of autism, it's a little bit like being a member of a secret society. The same time I was making friends and getting a lot of a social acceptance, I was meeting other people who were still, I suppose, being called weird and strange and odd, uh, just because people didn't understand the invisible condition of autism. So definitely my beginning to socialize was a major turning point in my own thinking. What is your guilty pleasure? This will be my last one. I think my guilty pleasure would have to be Lego. So every day, every payday, I buy myself a Lego set and I find nothing quite as relaxing as that. So that's definitely a guilty pleasure of mine. Okay. That was recorded at our fifth birthday of InspireFest in Dublin. We'll be back next year with a new and improved event on May 21st and 22nd. Tickets are still available and we wanted to offer a little discount code to our listeners. So simply go to InspireFest.com, click on buy tickets and enter the promo code HUMANS2020. That's a promo code of HUMANS2020. Thanks to all our speakers who took part in Real Humans and to our ACE team of producers at Bureau. For more about Bureau, you can go to akabureau.com. Thanks for listening.